Welcome to Classical Etc., a show that dives into the philosophy, culture, and heart of classical education. You're in the studio with Shane Saxon. Okay. Okay. So you guys feel good about this? Well, we just, I mean, what are you going to ask us? Well, just go for it. About to find out. Okay. That's right. Okay. So when you open up memoriapress.com on our webpage, you're going to see classical, Christian, traditional. And we've already talked about those three terms, but I think there are other ideas that are pretty essential to who we are that maybe don't show up in those three terms. And so that's what we're going to move to talk about in the next few conversations. One of those terms is gravitas. This is a term that if you're around here at all, it gets mentioned, talked about. It's something that uh, that we can't be who we are without it. So Martin, what is gravitas? <laughs> well, um, it, I mean, literally, uh, it's, a, it's a Latin term, which means gravity. Um, and I think the way we use it, it has something to do with the the intellectual philosophical weight of what we're doing. I mean, what we're doing is very important. I mean, we talk about, uh, you know, I, I, I said in a previous conversation that uh, classical education is passing on the culture of the Christ, Christian West. There's some weight to that. Uh, there, there's some seriousness to that. That's really important. And I think that we most often use it in terms of how we present uh, ourselves as a, as a, say, a classical school um, to the the to the students there, to the parents there, as a as a way of giving the sense that this is a serious enterprise and that there may be. Um, there may be trivial things you have to do in in the in the process of a of a of a homeschool day or of a regular school day, but that the purpose that you are engaged in the enterprise that you're engaged in is just extremely important. You're acculturating students. You're trying to make them better human beings, and through that, make a, a better society and, and civilization. And so, the question then becomes: Well. How do you project this seriousness, this right. gravity? Um, and I and I think that's I'm not answering the whole question there because sure. I think it's what we're gonna talk about, but that seems to me to be what we're talking about. Right, right. And Tony, do you have anything to add to that understanding of gravitas? Will you I, interpret for us? <laughs> do it, do what? Interpret for us. Interpret, that's why you're oh. here is to interpret me, apparently. I thought, and correct me if I'm wrong, I should have looked this up, that in the forums, do we not teach that it means serious and heavy? We do. Heavy, <laughs> so severe, heavy. and serious. Yes. <laughs> so rather than gravity, which I, well, I, said, I mean, they're wait. all synonyms. Yeah. They're all synonyms. It's well but within just, the semantic domain. I always <laughs> thought heavy mm -hmm. sounded... Very clunky. Oh, that's clunky. funny because I want to take on serious. So, so you're well heavy to me. So I think serious, and then oh, you prefer serious. I do oh, because okay, heavy good. to me seems so daunting and like I'm carrying a burden mm -hmm. around. But that is one of our meanings, mm -hmm. I think. Mm -hmm. But you think this, but, the but term serious, serious? I would I would absolutely yes. stand on the side of serious, which is and, a synonym for gravity. Yes, yes, and I like that's that's the the meaning that. That I lean towards, but I, I was thinking about um, why why is this not a natural thing for us? And this is this is maybe a bunch of hot air. I've just I've just come up with this, but I think prior to 
um, universal education prior to where we have laws against truancy, you got to get educated, right? This was, this was a benefit to you was you, you, you were receiving the gift of education. So it was something that demanded responsibility Mm -hmm. and some sort of response. And now it's everybody has to be educated. And I think that sort of, that totally shifts the the frame of reference for the student of what am I doing when I sit down at this desk? Um, And so what we're trying to do is encourage the student uh, through the culture, but you know, and through what we say, say, this is a gift, right? This is, this is a serious endeavor that you, (laughs) (laughs) That you are. I was really trying not to. (laughs) (laughs) I just. I I was uh, trying to keep going, and I just. Total (laughs) failure. (laughs) Epic fail. You know, I am you're, sorry. And you're not going to let this down either. Uh, sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, we're, okay, we're I can't really put my hand up here and like. <laughs> it would have made for good TV if you well, your notes. Oh my God. Well, then it, I thought, then it'll look like I'm sitting here. He's talking. I have no idea what he's saying because I'm trying not to sneeze. And I'm thinking if I put my hand up, it's going to look like I'm crying at the seriousness of oh, gravitas. You're not heavy. <laughs> Okay, I'm I'm finished. We are very serious here, Tanya. <laughs> I just could not stop it. Okay, yes, Paul. Now, where were you? <laughs> um, from the top. Uh, so, when a student sits down at at one of our desks, hopefully that they're they're sitting there with this this perspective of I I get to do this. And because I'm being offered this as a responsibility, I take upon myself that this is an endeavor that that is that's mine. Uh, and I think when when you're forced to do it, um, you know, in, in sort of societal wide, we have this we have this other force pulling at us that says, "Oh no, that's drudgery." Whereas we're saying, "No, this is a responsibility, right?" And to come back come at it with that perspective, I think changes the the flavor of what you can get done in a school day. I think that's an important distinction, and one of the things I've been thinking about is the the fact that dignitas, you know, as mm-hmm. a as a Latin virtue, that this is the difference as we were talking about before we sat down to record between this idea and a traditional classroom is that the traditional classroom is the environment in which we are instilling this in. And it certainly habituates students in a certain way, but ultimately we want the students to, on the inside, to to start to embody this idea themselves. And I think that's what you're speaking. Well, to. yeah, there there is a relationship between between the order in the environment around you and the order of of your own soul, in a way. I mean, I mean, the you know when we were talking about traditional education and you know, the traditional arrangement of a classroom and, and desks and straight rows, we're not doing that because it's more efficient or it's more, I mean, there's some sense in which it is, but it's also just every, everything that, that you do in a school physically contributes to what you're trying to do spiritually and intellectually and morally. So uh, it, 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 it's, I, I think it's just an assumption that we have that the physical environment is important. It's a signal. It's a gesture, and uh, and and that's something that students couldn't say is affecting them, but implicitly it is, and, and as well as 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 the teacher and the school staff. So, Tony, you mentioned that gravitas is something that, and as Paul said, comes from the top down. How do teachers 
create this environment of gravitas and help to instill that virtue in their students? Well, it we help them to do that by, you know, for, for us, it is part of our culture. And so we need to make sure that all of the teachers understand that. So a lot of teacher education, but also it has to be done in a nurturing way. So we can't, we're not over the top. There is joy in our classrooms. There's just not chaos in our classrooms. So it is serious and it is their job, the student's job to learn. But but it's also, after we've done that hard job of teaching, I feel like the recitations that we do and all of the memorization shows the students how much they know. And then they can start seeing how important it is for them to take seriously this job of learning. I do think that's a huge part of it, is showing them every morning when we do the recitations how much they already know. Mm. And then we're going to move on from there, just building that confidence in what they're doing. And and it is, as Paul said, it used to be a gift. Mm. When we read Adam of the Road in the fifth grade, we are studying about this little character named Perkin who gets to go to Oxford because this priest is paying for him to go. And he is so careful about his education and about being responsible for it because he knows that this man is paying for him to have an education. And so it's a really important lesson. And I think throughout literature and history, we do study those characters that, you know, where it's important to them. And so we're constantly modeling that too. Uh, so you're really leaning into the idea of the responsibility of that term gravitas, just the the burden of of the importance of education, the heaviness of it, the heaviness of it. <laughs> uh, and in that connection, you brought up the word joy, and and I, and I thought, you know, it's easy to mistake um, gravitas as saying as somehow opposite of joy, and and it's really not. And, and our, our founder Cheryl Lowe wrote, wrote an article. About this is talking about how, like you're talking about preschool and kindergarten, that that it's 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 best to limit that to some extent, so that so that that school time that they're engaged in is 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 serious school work. Now, a, a preschooler, a, a kindergartner, they can't do as much of that. They're they're not capable of a large volume of that serious kind of school work. So. That's why limited schedules are a good idea so that when, when they're there, so they learn that school is not for entertainment because if you just bring them in and you're a glorified childcare service uh, and you're doing fun things all the time, they're going to get the idea that school is for fun things and not serious things. So from the beginning, you know, you, you need to underscore this um, uh, in, 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 by, by not making school entertainment, not giving them the idea it's entertainment, giving them the idea that it's serious. You do serious work. And, and, um, so that means that you just, uh, that that's why a lot of kindergarten programs, ours is a limited schedule, uh, program or uh, preschool. So, um, but, it, but at the same time, it's not, it's not the opposite of joy. Uh, that, was, that was my, my, my original point. It's not the opposite of joy. Uh, Chesterton says somewhere that uh, serious is not the opposite of funny. A uh, funny is the opposite of not funny and nothing else. <laughs> that seriousness and levity in many ways go together. So you can have that joy 
when you're um, when you're doing schoolwork. And, and I think, you know, you see that in our classrooms. You see it particularly, I think, in the literature programs where they're reading these wonderful stories. You know, there's joy in Charlotte's Web. Uh, there's 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 joy in the Moffat's. Um, and there's and, joy in a job well done. And there's mm-hmm. joy in a job well done. And and I know in my life when I'm doing things that are serious and I'm doing those, I do the the things I enjoy the most, mm. the most seriously. And and I think that we need to understand there's a close relationship between those two. Right. So, Paul, what do you think are other examples of what it looks like to be a teacher who has gravitas, but also joy? That's a great question. And that sort of the, the thing that's been going through my mind, I feel like we can't have this conversation without referencing <laughs> Reverend Chad Lawrence's talk mm. at our conference several years ago. Because he he it was it was a phenomenal talk, and I remember he quoted a book, and I wish I knew the name of the book, but it was a book of, of a headmaster, and and the image that I walked away with was the fact that this this head of school insisted that his desk be in the hallway. He insisted that his desk be there where all the kids would pass by. He was right there with them, and yet they knew that he demanded a lot of them. And so it was this, it was this balance of a relationship. It was fully relational, right? He was, he wasn't there just to tell the kids what to do, but he wanted to be in relation with those kids. And then he knew that he could, he could, because of their relationship, he could elevate them in sort of this, this responsibility and this dignity and this, this serious endeavor. And so, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot of small things like that, where you would think, well, why is it important that you, every time there's a break, you, you know, the the administration is out there, uh, you know, with the students or, but but then there's there's also the the aspect of familiarity, right? As teachers, we don't want to become too familiar with our students, right? We 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 that relationship has to elevate them without us coming down to their level to say, oh well, you know. I know your pop culture and I can do your TikTok videos or whatever it is. Easy punching bag these days. <laughs> um, but it's but it's a, one of, I am the model that you are striving for. Not that we're trying to say that arrogantly, but therefore, you know, you need to rise to my level and we do that in relation. And so that, you know, I didn't speak too much about joy, but I think that, that, that's sort of this when you're in relation, that joy comes naturally. Yeah, and well, I think it's a tendency for a lot of teachers to become pals with their students. Mm-hmm. And I think this is why it's important uh, uh, to think about how we have our students address the teacher, Mr. So and so, Mrs. So and so. That 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 implicitly creates a little bit of distance there. Uh, which solves a lot of problems, but it 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 I think is a way one other way to 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 implicitly suggest to students that you are an authority and to be taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And Tony, you've observed many many teachers for uh, for a long time. Can you think of specific examples of things that when you're observing, you're like that's gravitas and that's joy, and it's not a joyless teacher or it's not a teacher who's taking it not seriously? Yes, your wife is one. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, just her classroom is very serious. But her students are happy to be there. And that is, it's not always easy to pull off. They behave for her because they know her expectation is high, but she obviously has great affection for them. 
And it's interesting, I noticed this year, because I was in her classroom at the beginning. I was in a lot of classrooms at the beginning of the year. And then she was on a new campus, and everything was new for her. And she didn't know her students. And then I went back three three weeks later, and it was like they were a little community. And I, it was not just her classroom. It was other classrooms, too, where you walk in and they know each other. At the beginning of the year, they don't know each other. But by the time they do know each other, if the teacher has done his or her job, then the gravitas can remain and you can still have that community of people who care for each other and who are working hard together. I really think thinking of the classroom as a community mm-hmm. is helpful to me. Well, I think when a lot of us, if we, if we were to think back on our own school experience as students, we would rem- probably remember that there were certain teachers who, who tried to come down to the level of the students. They, they dis- dispensed with the gravitas and tried to, be, tried to appeal to their students in that way. And, and the teachers who did not do that and that were authorities in the classroom and were good teachers and knew what they were doing. And I, I, can, I think of two figures from my, from my high school, my economics professor, who was, who was uh, uh, pitiful as a teacher. Uh, and, he, and part of it was he was trying to be friends with all the students. And really, in the end, the students really didn't respect him. And yet I remember my Spanish teacher who took Spanish very seriously and was a very good teacher. And I wasn't a great student in high school, but I was a great student in that class. You know, I aced that class. Um, I don't know what I got in, in, uh, in my economics class. Uh, I can't remember his name now, um, but it probably wasn't a very good grade because I had no incentive to work for him. I had no incentive to devote myself to what he was trying to teach. But, but um, with my Spanish teacher, I did. It seemed like it was worth something. It was a serious thing, something I ought to do. Um, so I think if we think back on our own school experience, yeah. we'll see a little bit of what we're talking about here. I think a small piece of this, at least, is really just what I've been observing teachers. It's the ones that treat their students like human beings mm-hmm. who they take the work seriously, but they're not trying to condescend or try and relate, but they're just, they care about the students' concerns and they care that they do the work well. They look them in the eye when they're talking to them. They don't say critical or mean things. It's really that basic stuff that creates a, the community that you were talking about. And I think cherishing students as human beings is a big piece of creating that culture of gravitas. And if you do cherish them as human beings, then you want the best for them and you want them to succeed. And so you'll do everything in your power to help them succeed. And that's what you see really in a, in a classroom that is really working and getting the job done. And I want to echo what Martin said earlier about Cheryl's point about, you know, training them up early in kindergarten, limited schedules so that they, that, you know, they understand when they're here, this is, this is work. Um, but if you think about a sixth grader who's been in a school that is completely the opposite of a school with gravitas, it's very hard to get them engaged in that community and, and, and in order to shift that pattern. And so it really is something, th- this is a virtue that's formed very early on with what their expectations are. And I mean, y- it can be done, especially if you have a strong culture and you bring in one or two students, right, to get them up to speed. But you also want to give them that expectation. And you're like, this is going to be different than anything that you've ever experienced. And you need to get on board with that. Um, because it is, it, it, it can be shocking that, oh, wait, this isn't just me to like, to come into the, the 
the Lord of the Flies and like when I go home at three o'clock, see if I survived. No, this is a community, right? That that we're all engaged in this in this endeavor, headed towards a common goal, um, and we respect one another. And um, you know, when a student cracks a joke at an appropriate time, it brings levity. But when they do it at an inappropriate time, it brings um, the opposite of levity. <laughs> <laughs> Um, what would the opposite of levity be? Gra- gravity. Oh, well, there we go. So, <laughs> um, you know, so th- I think that's that's an important thing to think about is how imperative this is early on. Right. Yeah. So, Martin, it seems like the idea of gravitas is important for more than just school, but life too. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about, I mean, our our culture becomes more and more informal all the time. Mm-hmm. Um. And you could, I suppose somebody could make an argument, well, um, our, our cultures become less formal. Even our workplaces have become less formal. So wouldn't a less formal education mm. be more appropriate to right. that? But I, I still think that um, in the workplace, that seriousness, gravitas really is valued, whatever, whatever people think, I mean, this is not the office, you know, people watch the other thing. Well, you know, I mean, if your office really works like that, you're in big trouble. Right. Um, but, uh, but really uh, you have to, in order to get anything done, you have to be serious about it. You can't, you can't goof off uh, on your job. Uh, like many people let children goof off in school. You can't do that. It, it's still a serious place and it will remain a serious place at any successful business or workplace. Do you think that part of this conversation comes down to our view that we are helping to form students in terms of virtue, that it's not just going to happen? I feel like that's a part of the equation. Well, absolutely. But uh, you, you don't, you, you can't, I think gravitas brings us to also a place of discipline and order, Right. And that seems to be the first kind of the first step for having a, a, an atmosphere where virtue can be cultivated, right? Um, you know, if, if you have that natural habit of when my attention is called and I was doing something inappropriate and I take responsibility for it, and then I can start to be directed on the paths of virtue. Um, but absolutely, if we if we if we didn't care about our students' characters or or who they were beyond their academic formation, this would not even be a conversation. Right. I guess I'm just thinking of those kinds of schools and school situations where people would say the order and the discipline doesn't really matter because over time they're going to come to be joyful and love and creativity. But we're saying that actually that discipline and order is a part of forming a a well-formed human being. Um, Tanya, it seems like you agree with that point. I do agree. Why is that? Well... (laughs) Can I answer the question for her? Yes. I feel like you just said it. Oh. Okay. Well, I, I mean, um, if you think about the things that you really enjoy, I mean, uh, that you consider fun, um, these are things that you have to work at to mm-hmm. be good at. You know, my kids are, my kids are all into kayaking. Uh, you got to learn a little bit about the boat. Otherwise, you're going to kill yourself, you know, and, they, so, and they're very serious about their kayaking because it's fun. I mean, again, it's this relationship between uh, seriousness and joy mm. uh, that the things you're uh, 
you're most joyful about are things you've become very serious about. Right. Uh, this, it's, fun is a serious business. <laughs> you can quote me on that too. Um, no, so I, I think that, I think, again, it just goes back to this whole joy versus seriousness thing that it's not a dichotomy. It's actually, th these are things that you find together in life. So we've talked a lot about teachers and their role in instilling gravitas in a school culture, but what other aspects of a school, and we're talking about schools here specifically, maybe not homeschooled, but what are other things that a school administration um, can do to help instill gravitas as a part of the formation of their students? Well, I mean, you know, you, have, uh, you probably won't say about this, but, you know, we talked about the order of the classroom a little bit. Um, we've talked about, I mean, we haven't, we haven't really talked about so what does the headmaster do if he wants to? And, and, and Chad Lawrence uh, spoke to this in his uh, article. But, you know, you have to be, you know, if you're the head of the school, you know, you have to be taken seriously. And I remember when I was growing up in, in ordered schools, I mean, the, the principal was, a, was a, a, an object of reverence. Mm -hmm. uh, we didn't see him every day, but we saw him frequently. Um, you know, you have to walk that tightrope between availability and non-availability between um between uh 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 you know your manner being welcoming and and being a a person that that is good to be around and at the same time not being you know trivial in the way you behave and all that sort of things there's just little signals that you always have to send is is what a lot of gravitas really involves. I see that um, when our administrators go into the classroom, mm. they don't see certain student behavior problems that I see because the when I go in, they're not afraid of me. They don't really know who I am. And so <laughs> if they life knew, would goes they on, be afraid? As, yes, they okay. would, as you should be. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but when the administrator goes in, they know that that is the person that can come down on them mm -hmm. and who expects them to be serious and to have the right pencil grip. And so they, they, the reaction is totally different. That person, that administrator walks into the classroom and everybody is right where they need mm -hmm. to be doing exactly what they need to do. So I, can I, can I tell a story? Yeah, I absolutely. feel like this is a good moment for a story because when I was teaching a couple years ago, class was about to start and in walks a student, we'll call him student A, and on one foot, he has a shoe and a sock on, as is appropriate. On the other foot, he has no shoe nor sock. And I thought, oh, well, this is interesting. I never, I, they don't train you for this, right? What do you do when a student has no shoe or sock on one foot, right? I, if they come in with, like, no shoes, I felt like I could deal with that. But I was just flabbergasted. So I said, student A, so where's your shoe? Mr. Schaefer, I don't know. Okay. Then where's your sock? I don't know either. I said, how do you not know where your sock is? And, and he, he really had nothing to say. So I said, go find Mr. Wheatley and have him help you find your shoe and, shoe and sock. And I mean, his jaw dropped and he was, it was like his, his feet had planted roots in the ground. He just couldn't move. So I thought, okay, well, class is starting here. I got, we got to do something. And one of our administrators is typically always in the hallway. So I, I step out in the hallway, flag down Mrs. Booker, and she comes up and I said, I got a student with no shoe or sock on one foot. She's like, what? <laughs> and, and so she comes in. And at this point, student B walks out of our classroom and into another one. 
And so Mrs. Booker's grilling student A, where's your shoe and sock? And all of a sudden student B walks in with shoe and sock and hands it to him. And then she starts grilling student B, you know, and, and in front of everybody, and you know, and it only lasted 30 seconds. But then she said, you've wasted my time. You've wasted your classmates' time. You've wasted Mr. Schaefer's time, you know. on Sit down. Yeah, let's not do this again, <laughs> right? And afterwards, I had a conversation with her, which was very interesting because we kind of laughed. I mean, I was having a very hard time not laughing through this whole process. And um, and we, we talked about it. We said, you know, if, if that had happened not during class time, it, it would have been fine, right? Students just doing student things, right? But because it interrupted the gravity of that, that what was that time was dedicated to, that's where it got, it became a problem. And just the way like, and here I was, I'm a teacher. I feel like I can discipline pretty well. But in that moment I had to call in the administration <laughs> and they were, they were absolutely scared of, of <clears throat> that. Yeah. Well, and which makes you think uh, of the importance of sort of having very strict boundaries mm-hmm. between the time that you are being real serious about something and the time when you can let your hair down. And I think that's really important to make those, yep. those distinctions. And that's, and that's particularly hard if you're a homeschooler, right? Because mm-hmm. you're at home and home is a place where you usually just have your hair down, but you have to create a space that's very distinctive there. And so, um, you know, and, and which is one of the reasons we always had our children, you know, if you had to, uh, if you had work to do, then you did it at the dining room table. That's what we did. Well, let me, mm-hmm. let me go up to my room and no, because we don't know what's happening up there. <laughs> we, that line's going to get blurred up there. So you stay right down here and do your work where we can see you. And this is school time and this is not school time. I mean, making that distinction, I think is also important because you can't be real serious all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to have, have, uh, you have to be able to blow off steam somewhere, but there's, places that you don't do that. And I think the consistency across a school is important too. That's why we have the code of conduct that is from kindergarten all the way through 12th grade, same code of conduct, Mm. same expectations of the students. And that's why kindergarten spends half the year training students. So, and then, you know, it goes on from there. Hopefully we keep it consistent. And then the new manners program that we have been doing for the past year is also a way of showing gravitas when you walk down the sidewalk and the students move aside for you and speak to you, look you in the eye, all of those things, eat with your mouth closed in the cafeteria, don't throw food across the table, all those things that you would think would be common sense, um, you have to talk about. Mm-hmm. And and the fact that we have Throughout the campus, the same manner that we're concentrating on all of us in the same week, I think makes a difference. I think it speaks to the fact that what you're you're expecting from people, expecting from your students is something that has to be clearly communicated. Yes. And especially in a culture where gravitas is not valued and not treasured. Um, so I think that our teachers here especially do a great job of setting those expectations early and often. Yes, I I agree. And it does have to be. It's just got to be consistent. But it's work. It's hard work. Well, the other thing, too, is um, you can afford to be less serious when you don't have a set curriculum that you have to get through. I mean, when you have a curriculum 
a set curriculum. And in and in this grade, you got to get this far. In this other grade, you got to pick up where you left off, and you got to go this far, and so on. That requires you to be ordered, just by virtue of the fact that this is what your goal is. And and I think the reason that you see this in a lot of modern schools is because you know I've said this before. I don't I don't think most schools even have a curriculum. They think they do, but they really don't. And so there's time, you know, that you don't have to devote to completing something that you don't have anyway. Mm-hmm. You're speaking to that seriousness that it takes to think about all the different aspects of the work. In order to be serious about the work, you have to think about every aspect. And one is the curriculum and one Mm -hmm. is the way we walk around the campus. And one is the way that we treat other people. And And they're all related. Yeah, that intentionality. Let me just ask the question to you, Tanya, first. Um, What does it look like for there to be gravitas in a homeschool? I did not do your, I'm the wrong person to ask. I did not do a good job with that. I actually let my children do their school at home in their pajamas, which if I had this to do again, I would not do because I do think that that lent a more of an air of informality <laughs> to our school day than it should have. But our, but we did have a specific start time, which I think is important mm-hmm. because if you don't have a specific start time, You're involved in one more load of laundry and I can't stand those dishes in the sink. And this is your job as a teacher at home is to get that schoolwork done and that everything else just can go by the wayside at that point, because these are the hours dedicated to school. And I think that was one of the most important things that kept me on track and let us successfully get the curriculum done because we did know what we were going to do next year and we had to finish it. And I'm very structured. But the pajama thing, I would not do again. I, mean, I just, it was one battle I just decided not to fight. But <laughs> in your defense, though, wouldn't you say there's a difference between strictness and gravitas? There may be some strictness involved just, in gravitas, but it's not the exact same thing, right? I just don't think school in your pajamas is gravitas <laughs> at all. And what was I thinking? But, but are you saying that they should be in a uniform or can they be in sweatpants? No, can they be in jeans? Like, I what, think what do they you... just needed to be dressed. <laughs> <laughs> and some, some homeschoolers do have their mm-hmm. students put on uniforms. And that would be the easiest thing because then you don't have to make a decision about which mm. t-shirt am I going to wear today. But... You know, I'm kind of indifferent about that, but I do wish I'd at least made them put clothes on and not (laughs) sit around in their pajamas doing their schoolwork. That was okay. That's my regret as far as gravitas. But um, but the other thing would be just that the students recognize like we sat at the dining room table, just like you did. We we knew it was work time. And when they had friends that. It seems it seems crazy to me, but I feel like people that don't homeschool don't realize what's going on in your house during your school day. And people would call me all the time and ask me to babysit their children during the school day. And just like, what? how am I going? I'm doing we are working here. But there's this thought that if that homeschooling is, I don't know, am I watching cartoons all day? What? I really never understood it, but it happened frequently because they knew I was home with my children. So what was going on in my house was serious schoolwork. Mm -hmm. I did also have the help of, you know, we were hybrid homeschooling. So I had Cheryl Lowe one day a week at least telling me what to do and and knowing that we had to have a certain amount of work done 
by the time we came back to her the following week. So that did help Mm -hmm. to be accountable. And I think the online academy does Mm -hmm. that too. Uh, And and I was actually, I was trying to think of my own being homeschooled and we did occasionally do work in, well, I- In your pajamas? No, not in our pajamas. (laughs) I don't remember the pajamas. I do remember just, there's just one memory of me and my sister both like working on our Latin on a bed which I would not recommend um, because obviously we weren't getting anything done. Um, but I was thinking about the fact that because my mother had Cherlo once, twice a week, and so that work had to get done because you were going to go in to, to do the work. And also Cheryl helped instill a lot of that gravitas into yes. our homeschool because we went in and we were in one room and you had high schoolers on one side and like fourth to seventh graders on the other side. And she would bop back and forth between the two groups, talking to them or teaching them what they needed to learn for the week. And you, so you had, she enforced um, a lot of order and seriousness about what you were doing that you just didn't, you know, you had to carry that over into, into your, it, it carried over into homeschooling yes. throughout the week. Yeah. And, and I think that, that you know, it's it's it is hard to instill order, and and it, it's 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 not what you do when you're following the path of least resistance, and so in the in in so some people would say, well, you know, my child can't sit there for an hour, and and do their stuff. It's just too much. Then break it up, but still, if you you could still keep that that line between the formal and the informal, between the orderly and the in the playtime. Uh, and even if you have to break it down into smaller increments, but make sure that they know when they're supposed to be on and when they can go do what they want to do, you know. And it also kind of cracks me up a little bit because I'm, we're sitting here talking about gravitas. And I have many friends in the classical education movement who are all about this, an education of rest. Okay, and they, they, the way they pitch it sometimes is they pitch it like rest as opposed to order, you know. And I, I, Wendell Berry said somewhere, um, rest requires order. Mm. And, and I, and I think that it's hard. I mean, it's hard for me even now, sometimes when I, 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 I'm, I feel I'm, I'm kind of on duty, but I'm not really totally on duty. I'm, I'm, I have to be on duty or off duty. Otherwise neither works very well. You're not relaxed, uh, and you're not working. It is some other lesser third thing. So I think in, in homeschooling, it's really important just to keep that dividing line but between work and play. That's right. That is the hardest thing about being at home is mm-hmm. you really do have to just keep them at it mm-hmm. because everything's there. Yeah. The video games are there. The books they want to read are there. Mm-hmm. The outside is calling to them. Yeah, and, and they all have to be on the same thing. You can't have one student playing and the other one working because the one working is thinking about how much they'd like to be the one playing and the one playing is thinking about how happy they are that they're not the one working, you know. And so I you know my wife would sit in the living room and and she would be, you know, reading the Bible or something to the kids and she'd have two listening, one down on the on the on the floor doing a coloring book. You know, they couldn't just run off. Mm. They had to be there. Everyone was doing this or everyone was not doing this. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to ask my mother how life really was. <laughs> because in my, what, my recollection was we were on a uh, sort of on a 
we were on a schedule. We had a specific start time, but then we were on sort of like a, a completion basis, right? If you got your work done, then then you were free. You were free. Yes. But if you had somebody that would dawdle, right? If your sibling was dawdling, yes. well, you weren't beholden to sitting around while that child was That's dawdling. Exactly right. You were free to go but do they your couldn't, thing. But but it preferably not two people doing different things in the same room. They'd need to go. Oh, outside. sure, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Get yeah. get away. Yeah, yeah. you're go, out go outside. Of the or, room at that that's point. right. Yeah. That's yes. right. Yeah. So we're not advertising an education of rest. We're advertising a rest of rest because you do that when you're resting and not while you're educating. That's right. That's right. Uh, a, an education of order and rest separately. Yeah. Is what yeah. I think the, uh, the concept of gravitas is super important and I think it's going to set up our conversation for next time. So next time, hopefully we're going to talk about what gravitas prepares you for. And that is a life that is full intellectually. So join us next time for that conversation. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Classical Etc. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever else you get your podcasts. If you like this episode, consider leaving us a positive review and sharing it with a friend. A huge thank you to the Memoria Press Podcast Network for hosting our show. Be sure to check out all the great podcasts there. As always, I'm Shane Saxon. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Memoria Press Podcast Network providing a classical Christian perspective on the world of education. To learn more about Memoria Press, visit memoriapress.com. To connect with us, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.